0: Chapter 7 of Miscellanea Curiosa volume 1 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by Karen Turton miscellanea curiosa volume 1 by edmund halley chapter 7 a letter of mr isaac newton professor of the mathematics in the university of cambridge containing his new theory about light and colours sent by the author to the publisher from Cambridge, February 6, 1671-72, in order to be communicated to the Royal Society. Sir, to perform my late promise to you, I shall without further ceremony acquaint you that in the beginning of the year, 1666, at which time I applied myself to the grinding of optic glasses of other figures than spherical, I procured me a triangular glass prism, to try therewith the celebrated phenomena of colors, and in order thereto, having darkened my chamber, and made a small hole in my window-shuts, to let in a convenient quantity of the sun's light, I placed my prism at his entrance, that it might be thereby refracted to the opposite wall. It was at first a very pleasing divertisement to view the vivid and intense colors produced thereby, but after a while applying myself to consider them more circumspectly, i became surprised to see them in an oblong form which according to the received laws of rare refraction i expected should have been circular they were terminated at the sides with straight lines but at the ends the decay of light was so gradual that it was difficult to determine justly what was their figure yet they seemed semicircular comparing the length of this coloured spectrum with its breadth i found it about 5 times greater a disproportion so extravagant that it excited me to a more than ordinary curiosity of examining from whence it might proceed. I could scarce think that the various thickness of the glass, or the termination with shadow or darkness, could have any influence on light to produce such an effect. Yet I thought it not amiss, first to examine those circumstances, and so tried what would happen by transmitting light through parts of the glass of diverse thicknesses, or through holes in the windows of diverse bignesses or by setting the prism without so that the light might pass through it and be refracted before it was terminated by the whole but i found none of these circumstances material the fashion of the colours was in all these cases the same then i suspected whether by any unevenness in the glass or other contingent irregularity these colours might be thus dilated and to try this I took another prism like the former, and so placed it, that the light passing through them both, might be refracted contrary ways, and so by the latter returned into that course, from which the former had diverted it. For by this means, I thought the regular effects of the first prism would be destroyed by the second prism, but the irregular ones more augmented by the multiplicity of refractions the event was that the light which by the first prism was diffused into an oblong form was by the second reduced into an orbicular one with as much regularity as when it did not at all pass through them so that whatever was the cause of that length twas not any contingent irregularity. regularity i then proceeded to examine more critically what might be affected by the difference of the incidence of rays coming from diverse parts of the sun and to that end measured the several lines and angles belonging to the image its distance from the hole or prism was twenty-two foot utmost length thirteen and a quarter inches its breadth two and five-eighths the diameter of the hole a quarter of an inch the angle with the rays tending towards the middle of the image made with those lines in which they would have proceeded without refraction was forty-four degrees fifty-six minutes and the vertical angle of the prism sixty-three degrees and twelve minutes also, the refractions on both sides of the prism, that is, of the incident and emergent rays, were as near as I could make them equal, and consequently about fifty-four degrees in four minutes, and the rays fell perpendicularly upon the wall. Now subducting the diameter of the hole from the length and breadth of the image, there remained thirteen inches the length, and two and three-eighths the breadth, comprehended by those rays which passed through the centre of the said hole, and consequently the angle of the hole which that breadth subtended was about thirty-one minutes answerable to the sun's diameter but the angle which its length subtended was more than five such diameters namely two degrees and forty-nine minutes having made these observations i first computed from them the refractive power of that glass and found it measured by the ratio of the signs twenty to thirty-one and then by that ratio i computed the refractions of two rays flown from opposite parts of the sun's discus so as to differ thirty-one minutes in their obliquity of incidence and found that the emergent rays should have comprehended an angle of about thirty-one minutes as they did before they were incident but because this computation was founded on the hypothesis of the proportionality of the signs of incidence and refraction which though by my own experience i could not imagine to be so erroneous as to make the angle but thirty-one minutes which in reality was two degrees and forty-nine minutes yet my curiosity caused me again to take my prison and having placed it at my window, as before, I observed that by turning it a little about its axis to and fro, so as to vary its obliquity to the light, more than an angle of four or five degrees, the colors were not thereby sensibly translated from their place on the wall, and consequently, by that variation of incidence, the quantity of refraction was not sensibly varied. By this experiment, therefore, as well as by the former computation, it was evident that the difference of the incidence of rays... Flowing from diverse parts of the sun could not make them after decussation diverge at a sensibly greater angle than that at which they before converged which being at most about thirty-one or thirty-two minutes there still remains some other cause to be found out from whence it could be two degrees and forty-nine minutes then i began to suspect whether the rays after their trajection through the prism did not move in curved lines and according to their more or less curvity tend to diverse parts of the wall and it increased my suspicion when i remembered that i had often seen a tennis-ball struck with an oblique racket describe such a curve line for a circular as well as a progressive motion being communicated to it by that stroke its parts on that side where the motions conspire must press and beat the contiguous air more violently than on the other and there excite a reluctancy and reaction of the air proportionably greater and for the same reason if the rays of light should possibly be globular bodies and by their oblique passage out of one medium into another acquire a circulating motion they ought to feel the greater resistance from the ambient ether on that side where this motion conspires and thence be continually bowed to the other but notwithstanding this plausible ground of suspicion when i came to examine it i could observe no such curvity in them and besides which was enough for my purpose i observed that the difference twixt the length of the image and the diameter of the hole through which the light was transmitted was proportionable to their distance. The gradual removal of these suspicions at length led me to the experimentum crucis, which was this. I took two boards and placed one of them close behind the prison at the window, so that the light might pass through a small hole made in it for the purpose and fall on the other board, which I placed about twelve feet distance, having first made a small hole in it also, for some of that incident light to pass through, then I placed another prism behind the second board, so that the light, projected through both the boards, might pass through that also, and be again refracted before it arrived at the wall. This done, I took the first prism in my hand, and turned it to and fro slowly about its axis, so much as to make the several parts of the image cast on the second board successively pass through the hole in it, that I might observe to what places on the wall the second prism should refract them and i saw by the variation of these places that the light tending to that end of the image towards which the refraction of the prism was made did in the second prism suffer a refraction considerably greater than the light tending to the other end and so the true cause of the length of that image was detected to be no other than that light consists of rays differently refrangible which without any respect to a difference in their incidence were according to their degrees of refrangibility transmitted towards diverse parts of the wall. When I understood this, I left off my aforesaid glassworks, for I saw that the perfection of telescopes was hitherto limited, not so much for want of glasses truly figured, according to the prescriptions of optic authors, which all men have hitherto imagined, as because that light itself is a heterogeneous mixture of differently refrangible rays, so that, were a glass so exactly figured so as to collect any sort of rays into one point it could not collect those also into the same point which having the same incidence upon the same medium are apt to suffer a different refraction nay i wondered that seeing the difference of refrangibility was so great as i found it telescopes should arrive to that perfection they are now at for measuring the refractions in one of my prisms, i found that supposing the common sign of incidence upon one of its planes was forty-four parts the sign of refraction of the utmost rays on the red end of the colours made out of the glass into the air would be sixty-eight parts and the sign of refraction of the utmost rays on the other end sixty-nine parts so that the difference is about twenty-fourth or twenty-fifth part of the whole refraction and consequently the object-glass of any telescope cannot collect all the rays which come from one point of an object so as to make them convene at its focus in less room than in a circular space whose diameter is the fiftieth part of the diameter of its aperture which is an irregularity some hundred of times greater than a circularly figured lens, of so small a section as the object glasses of long telescopes are, would cause by the unfitness of its figure were light uniform. This made me take reflections into consideration, and finding them regular, so that the angle of reflection of all sorts of rays was equal to their angle of incidence, I understood that by their mediation, optic instruments might be brought to any degree of perfection imaginable, provided a reflecting substance could be found, which would polish as finely as glass, and reflect as much light as glass transmits, and the art of communicating it to a parabolic figure be also attained. But there seemed very great difficulties, and I have almost thought them insuperable, when I further considered that every irregularity in a reflecting superficies makes the rays stray five or six times more out of their due course than the like irregularities in a refracting one, so that a much greater curiosity would be here requisite than in figuring-glasses for refraction. Amidst these thoughts I was forced from Cambridge by the intervening plague, and it was more than two years before I proceeded further. But then, having thought on a tender way of polishing, proper for metal, whereby, as I imagined, the figure also would be corrected to the last, I began to try what might be effective in this kind, and by degrees so far perfected an instrument, in the essential parts of it, like that I sent to London by which I could discern Jupiter's four concomitants, and showed them diverse times to two others of my acquaintance. I could also discern the moon-like phase of Venus, but not very distinctly, nor without some niceness in disposing the instrument. From that time I was interrupted, till this last autumn, when I made the other. And as that was sensibly better than the first, especially for day objects, so i doubt not but they will be still brought to a much greater perfection by their endeavours who as you inform me are taking care about it at london i have sometimes thought to make a microscope which in like manner should have instead of an object glass a reflecting piece of metal and by this i hope they will also take into consideration for those instruments seem as capable of improvement as telescopes and perhaps more because but one reflective piece of metal is requisite in them as you may perceive in plate Three, Figure One, where a b representeth the object metal c d the eyeglass f their common focus and o the other focus of the metal in which the object is placed but to return from this digression i told you that light is not similar or homogeneal but consists of deformed rays some of which are more refrangible than others so that of those which are alike incident on the same medium some shall be more refractive than others and that not by any virtue of the glass or other external cause but from its predisposition that every particular ray hath to suffer a particular degree of refraction i shall now proceed to acquaint you with another more notable deformity in its rays wherein the origin of colors is unfolded concerning which i lay down the doctrine first and then for its examination give you an instance or two of the experiments as a specimen of the rest the doctrine you will find comprehended and illustrated in the following propositions one. As the rays of light differ in degrees of refrangibility, so they also differ in their disposition to exhibit this or that particular colour. Colours are not qualifications of light, derived from refractions or reflections of natural bodies, as tis generally believed, but original and connate properties, which in diverse rays are diverse. Some rays are disposed to exhibit a red colour, and no other. Some are yellow and no other. Some are green and no other. And so of the rest. Nor are there only rays proper and particular to the more eminent colors, but even to all their intermediate gradations. 2. To the same degree of refrangibility ever belongs the same color, and to the same color ever belongs the same degree of refrangibility. The least refrangible rays are all disposed to exhibit a red color, and contrarily those rays which are disposed to exhibit a red color are all the least refrangible. So the most refrangible rays are all disposed to exhibit a deep violet colour, and contrarily those which are apt to exhibit such a violet colour are all the most refrangible. And so, to all the intermediate colours in a continued series belong intermediate degrees of refrangibility. And this analogy, twixt colours and refrangibility, is very precise and strict, the rays always either exactly agreeing in both, or proportionally disagreeing in both. Three the species of colour and degree of refrangibility proper to any particular sort of rays is not mutable by refraction nor by reflection from natural bodies nor by any other cause that i could yet observe when any one sort of rays hath been well parted from those of other kinds it hath afterwards obstinately retained its colour notwithstanding my utmost endeavours to change it i have refracted it with prisms and reflected it with bodies which in daylight were of other colours I have intercepted it with a coloured film of air, interceding two compressed plates of glass, transmitted it through coloured mediums, and through mediums irradiated with other sorts of rays, and diversely terminated it, and yet could never produce any new colour out of it. It would, by contracting and dilating, become more brisk or faint, and by the loss of many rays, in some cases very obscure and dark, but I could never see it changed in specie. 4. Yet seeming transmutations of colour may be made, where there is any mixture of diverse sorts of rays, for in such mixtures the component colours appear not, but by their mutual allaying each other constitute a middling colour. And therefore, if by refraction or any other of the aforesaid causes, the deformed rays latent in such a mixture be separated, they shall emerge colours different from the colour of the composition, which colours are not new-generated, but only made apparent by being parted, for if they be again entirely mixed and blended together they will again compose that colour which they did before separation and for the same reason transmutations made by the convening of diverse colours are not real for when the deformed rays are again severed they will exhibit the very same colours which they did before they entered the composition as you see blue and yellow powders when finely mixed appear to the naked eye green and yet the colours of the component corpuscles are not thereby really transmuted but only blended for well, when viewed with a good microscope, they still appear blue and yellow, interspersedly. 5. There are therefore two sorts of colors, the one original and simple, the other compounded of these. The original primary colors are red, yellow, green, blue and violet-purple, together with orange, indigo, and an indefinite variety of intermediate gradations. 6. The same colors in species with these primary ones may be also produced by composition, for a mixture of yellow and blue makes green, of red and yellow makes orange, of orange and yellowish green makes yellow, and in general, if any two colours be mixed, which in the series of those generated by the prism are not too distant from one another, they, by their mutual alloy, compound that colour, which in the said series appeareth in the midway between them, but those which are situated at too great a distance do not so orange and indigo produce not the intermediate green nor scarlet and green but the intermediate yellow seven if the most surprising and wonderful composition was that of whiteness there is no one sort of rays which alone can exhibit this It is ever compounded and to its composition are requisite all the aforesaid primary colours mixed in a due proportion i have often with admiration beheld that all the colours of the prism being made to converge and thereby to be again mixed as they were in the light before it was incident upon the prism reproduced light entirely and perfectly white and not at all sensibly differing from the direct light of the sun unless when the glasses i used were not sufficiently clear for then they would a little incline it to their colour eight hence therefore it comes to pass that whiteness is the usual colour of light for light is a confused aggregate of rays endued with all sorts of colors as they are promiscuously darted from the various parts of luminous bodies and of such a confused aggregate as i said is generated whiteness if there be a due proportion of the ingredients but if any one predominate the light must incline to that color as it happens in the blue flame of brimstone the yellow flame of candle and the various colors of the fixed stars nine these things considered the manner how colors are produced by the prism is evident for of the rays constituting the incident light since those which differ in colour proportionally differ in refrangibility they by their unequal refractions must be severed and dispersed into an oblong form in an orderly succession from the least refracted scarlet to the most refracted violet and for the same reason it is that objects when looked upon through a prism appear coloured for the deformed rays by their unequal refractions are made to diverge towards several parts of the retina and there express the images of things coloured as in the former case they did the sun's image upon a wall, and by this inequality of refractions they become not only coloured, but also very confused and indistinct. 10. Why the colours of the rainbow appear in falling drops of rain is also from hence evident. For these drops which refract the rays disposed to appear purple in greatest quantity to the spectator's eye, refract the rays of other sorts so much less as to make them pass beside it, and such are the drops on the inside of the primary bow, and on the outside of the secondary or exterior one so these drops which refract in greatest plenty the rays apt to appear red towards the spectator's eye refract those of other sorts so much more as to make them pass beside it and such are the drops of the exterior part of the primary and interior part of the secondary bow eleven the odd phenomena of an infusion of lignum nephriticum leaf gold fragments of coloured glass and some other transparently coloured bodies appearing in one position of one color, and of another in another, are on these grounds no longer riddles. For those are substances apt to reflect one sort of light, and transmit another, as may be seen in a dark room by illuminating them with similar or uncompounded light. For then they appear of that color only, with which they are illuminated, but yet in one position more vivid and luminous than in another, accordingly as they are disposed more or less to reflect or transmit the incident color. Twelve, from hence also is manifest the reason of an unexpected experiment, which Mister Hook somewhere in his micrography relates to have made with two wedge-like transparent vessels filled, the one with red, the other with blue liquor, namely that though they were severally transparent enough, yet both together became opaque, for if one transmitted only red and the other only blue, no rays could pass through both. Thirteen. I might add more instances of this nature, but I shall conclude with this general one, that the colours of all natural bodies have no other origin than this, that they are variously qualified to reflect one sort of light in greater plenty than another, and this I have experimented in a dark room, by illuminating those bodies with uncompounded light of diverse colours. For by that means any body may be made to appear of any colour. They have there no appropriate colour, but ever appear of the colour of the light cast upon them, but yet with this difference, that they are most brisk and vivid in the light of their own daylight colour. Minium appeareth there of any colour indifferently, with which 'tis illustrated, but yet most luminous in red, and so bees appeareth differently of any colour with which 'tis illustrated, but yet most luminous in blue. And therefore, Minium reflecteth rays of any colour, but most copiously those endued with red, and consequently, when illustrated with daylight that is with all sorts of rays promiscuously blended those qualified with red shall abound most in the reflected light and by their prevalence cause it to appear of that colour and for the same reason bizz reflecting blue most copiously shall appear blue by the excess of those rays in its reflected light and the like of other bodies and that this is the entire and adequate cause of their colors is manifest, because they have no power to change or alter the colors of any sort of rays, incident, apart, part, but put on all colors indifferently, with which they are enlightened. These things being so, it can be no longer disputed, whether there be colors in the dark, nor whether they be the qualities of the objects we see, nor perhaps whether light be a body. For, since colors are the qualities of light, having its rays for their entire and immediate subject, how can we think those raise qualities also, unless one quality may be the subject of and sustain another, which in effect is to call it substance? We should not know bodies for substances, were it not for their sensible qualities, and the principle of those being now found due to something else, we have as good reason to believe that to be a substance also. Besides, whoever thought any quality to be a heterogeneous aggregate such as light has discovered to be? but to determine more absolutely what light is, after what manner refracted, and by what modes or actions it produceth in our minds the phantasms of colors, is not so easy, and I shall not mingle conjectures with certainties. Reviewing what I have written, I see the discourse itself will lead to diverse experiments sufficient for its examination, and therefore I shall not trouble you farther than to describe one of those which I have already insinuated. In a darkened room, make a hole in the shut of a window whose diameter may conveniently be about a third part of an inch to admit a convenient quantity of this sun's light and there place a clear and colourless prism to refract the entering light towards the farther part of the room which as i said will thereby be diffused into an oblong coloured image then place a lens of about three foot radius suppose a broad object-glass of a three foot telescope at the distance of about four or five foot from thence through which all these colours may at once be transmitted and made by its refraction to convene at a farther distance of about ten or twelve feet if at that distance you intercept this light with a sheet of white paper you will see the colors converted into whiteness again by being mingled but it is requisite that the prism and lens be placed steady and that the paper on which the colors are cast be moved to and fro for by such motion you will not only find at what distance the whiteness is most perfect but also see how the colours gradually convene and vanish into whiteness, and afterwards, having crossed one another in that place where they compound whiteness, are again dissipated and severed, and in inverted order retain the same colours which they had before they entered the composition. You may also see that, if any of the colours at the lens be intercepted, the whiteness will be changed into the other colours, and therefore that the composition of the whiteness be perfect. Care must be taken that none of the colours fall besides the lens. In the annex design, table three, figure two of this experiment, A B C expresseth the prism set endwise to sight, closed by the hole F of the window E G. Its vertical angle A B C may conveniently be about sixty degrees. M N designeth the lens. Its breadth, two and a half or three inches sf one of the straight lines in which deforms rays may be conceived to flow successively from the sun fp and fr two of those rays unequally refracted which the lens makes to converge towards q and after decassation to diverge again and hi the paper at diverse distances on which the colours are projected which in q constitute whiteness but are red and yellow in uppercase r lowercase r and rho and blue and purple in uppercase p, lowercase p, and pi. If you proceed further to try the impossibility of changing any uncompounded colour, which I have asserted in the third and thirteenth propositions, tis requisite that the room may be very dark, lest any scattering light, mixing with the colour, disturb and allay it, and render it compound, contrary to the design of the experiment. Tis also requisite that there be a perfect separation of the colours, then, after the manner above described, can be made by the refraction of one single prism and how to make such farther separations will scarce be difficult to them that consider the discovered laws of refractions. but if trials shall be made with colours not thoroughly separated there must be allowed changes proportionable to the mixture thus if compound yellow light fall upon blue biz the biz will not appear perfectly yellow but rather green because there are in the yellow mixture many rays endued with green and green being less remote from the usual blue colour of his than yellow is the more copiously reflected by it in like manner if any one of the prismatic colours suppose red be intercepted on design to try the asserted impossibility of reproducing that colour out of the others which are pre tis necessary either that the colours be very well parted before the red be intercepted or that together with the red the neighbouring colours into which any red is secretly dispersed that is, the yellow and perhaps green too, be intercepted, or else that allowance be made for the emerging of so much red out of the yellow-green as may possibly have been diffused and scatteringly blended in those colours. And if these things be observed, the new production of red or any intercepted colour will be found impossible. This, I conceive, is enough for an introduction to experiments of this kind, which, if any of the Royal Society shall be so curious as to prosecute, I should be very glad to be informed with what success that if any things seem to be defective or to thwart this relation i may have an opportunity of giving farther direction about it or of acknowledging my errors if i have committed any End of chapter seven